All right. I want to tell you about three pastors who went to a pastor's convention. Well, they went to a pastor's convention or retreat, whatever you want to call it. And so one night, the three gentlemen were gathered in one room. Well, the first one said to the other two, I have an idea. Let's confess our secret sins to each other. He said, I'll go first. He said, my secret sin is that when I'm at the church and I get hungry, I go and I eat the communion bread and drink the juice. Well, the second one says, oh, that's nothing. My secret sin is that I hate preparing messages. So I listen to all the good speakers and I just copy their messages and re-preach them. So they said to the third one who was listening intently, so what's your secret sin? He says, well, my secret sin is that I love to gossip and I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> well, for the last few weeks, we have been in the series of We Have the Victory. And so this morning we will continue in that series. And the title of this message is We Have the Victory When We Praise the Lord and Let Him Fight Our Battles. And this is part one as I was preparing. There was just so much good stuff in there that I decided to make it a two-part. And so this is part one today. And so you will see that. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time to gather in your name as your people and to worship you. And we just pray that, Father, your blessing would be upon each one, that your word would go forth, and that you would speak to the hearts and to the lives of each person. And we just pray, God, that you would have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 17, we read about Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah. Jehoshaphat was blessed by the Lord, and he was indeed a godly leader. God had blessed him greatly. In verse 5 of chapter 17 of 2 Chronicles, it tells us, The Lord established the kingdom under his control, and all Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat so that he had great wealth and honor. He was a rich man. He was well-respected. The people looked up to him. Then we read in verses 12 and 13, it says, Jehoshaphat became more and more powerful. He built forts and store cities in Judah and had large supplies in the towns of Judah. He also kept experienced fighting men in Jerusalem. In other words, King Jehoshaphat was very successful. He was very successful and he had a lot. But you see, he didn't just have a lot because of his position. He didn't just have a lot because he was a good leader. He had a lot because the Lord Lord had directly blessed him. In verses 3, 4, and 6, it tells us, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. You see, King Jehoshaphat 
was fully devoted to the ways of the Lord. He was fully devoted to God, and instead of looking to others for counsel, he looked directly to the Lord. He looked at his will and his way. He wanted to do what was right in the eyes of God, and because of his godly leadership, God blessed him. Because he was faithful to God, God blessed him, made him a great leader, and blessed his rule and his reign in Indeed. The scripture that we will focus on this morning is from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So just a couple chapters after that. And, and let's read verses 1 to 4. And it says this. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Mennonites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Eden. From the other side of the sea, it is already in Hazar and Tamar, which is Angedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. You see, these three groups of people, the, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Mennonites, they had seen that Jehoshaphat was indeed a good leader. They had seen that the people of Judah were doing well, and in fact, many of the surrounding areas feared them, the Israelites, and, and saw that God's blessing and protection was upon them. And at one point or another, these three groups of people were on good terms with Jehoshaphat and Judah. They were okay with them. They didn't war against them. They didn't plan to do anything to them, but they were on good terms with them. But now all of a sudden, they decide that they were going to gang up together and they were going to attack Jehoshaphat and Judah. So they decided that now we want to take over. They're doing well and we want what they have and so we're going to attack them. At one point, they were on good terms. At one point, they were what you could call friendly acquaintances. And you know, when I read that, it reminded me of how human nature is sometimes. The people that we could be on good terms with, the people we could consider friendly acquaintances and people we're okay with on one point, and then at another point, they start to see that you're doing really well in life. They start to see that you're prospering, that God's blessing blessing is upon you, and all of a sudden their attitude towards you may change a little bit. And this is exactly what happened with Jehoshaphat and with these other groups of people. He was on good terms with them. There was nothing wrong, but they got jealous of what he had, and they decided that instead of joining forces, they were going to turn against him and attack these people. You know, unfortunately, lots of people don't like to see others happy. Lots of people don't like to see when you're doing well, when you're prospering, when God is blessing you. But I want to tell you this morning, as Christians, we are commanded to rejoice with those who rejoice. We are commanded to be happy for them, to not be jealous, to not be in want, and, and not covet what they have, but to be happy for them. Because you know what? What God has for you, you will get.
get. What God is blessing you with, you will get, you will receive. Because many times we look at other people and we say, I wish I had that, or I wish I had that, or how come they have that and I don't have that? You see, God's blessing and his plan for each one of us is different. And so we need to accept that. We need to be happy for them because God's plan for them is different than his plan for ours. Stop comparing your life to someone else's. Stop comparing your blessings to someone else's. When your time comes, it will come. When it's your time, it will happen. But stop comparing yourself to other people. In fact, if we want what they have, we also have to be willing to work as hard. We also have to be willing to sacrifice. We also have to be willing to give up in order to get. I saw these two quotes not too long ago. In the first one, it says this, I'm not lucky. You don't know how much I prayed. I'm not lucky. It's not about luck that I've gotten where I am. It's not about luck that I have what I have. It's not about luck, but you have no idea how much I've prayed for this, how much I've fasted, how much I've given up. And so we should not compare ourselves to other people. People see the final product. They see what's out front, but they also don't know how hard you may have worked to get where you are. The next one says this, everyone wants to be successful until they see what it actually takes. Until they strip away and see what it actually takes to get to where you are. So I tell you this morning, stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop being jealous. Stop being in want. Stop being greedy. Stop doing those things and know that what God has for you, you will get. Amen? So the, these three groups of people decided that they were going to attack Jehoshaphat and the whole nation of Judah. And so an attack was coming. When they found out about this attack and when Jehoshaphat heard what was coming and what was happening, the first thing that he did was what? The first thing that he did was gather his armies? No. The first thing he did was get a military plan in place. No. The first thing was he didn't go and seek protection from the surrounding countries. No. The first thing he did was inquire to the Lord. The first thing he did was he went to the Lord and he asked the Lord for guidance. In fact, not only did he go to the Lord, but he commanded that all the people in Judah pray and fast. He decided that we need to go to God. You see, when things happen right away, who is the first person that you run to? Is it your husband or your wife? Is it your mother or your father? Is it your friends or your counselor or someone else? You see, the first person that we should run to as Christians is God. He is the only one who is able to change our circumstance and our situation. He is the only one who is in complete control and who is able to do something. He tells us to seek him first. He tells us to run to him. In verse 3, it says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. He decided that we need to seek the Lord. And he was the leader, and so they listened and they followed. And this morning, I too want to tell you, seek the Lord first first 
for all of your needs. Seek him first for everything that you need because he alone is able to meet those needs. He alone is able to help you. Jehoshaphat looked to the Lord and he also encouraged his people to do the same. He encouraged them to pray and to fast. You know why? Because prayer works. Prayer works. That is our connection to our Father in heaven. I want to commend you, those who came out yesterday, we had 12 hours of prayer. Some of you were here all day. God bless you. And I tell you, we may not always see those prayer answers right away, but we will see them because we know that God hears us and that he is able to answer. Jehoshaphat encouraged his people to pray and to fast and to make it a priority to seek the Lord. We have the opportunity to do the same. And you see, we also need to understand that when the scripture says that all of Judah was involved in doing this. This not only included the men and the women, but it also included the teenagers and the children. All of Judah, everyone who was in Judah, everyone who was part of that had a responsibility to play in there. They had a responsibility because they were part of it. You see, as parents and guardians and grandparents, we all have a responsibility to set the example. We have the responsibility of teaching our children and our grandchildren and those who are entrusted to us to seek the Lord and to put him first. We have the responsibility to show them and to set that example in front of them. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Are you setting that example? Are you setting an example not only to the other believers, but to those, your family, your loved ones as well? Are you setting an example to them by being regular in Sunday worship? Are you setting that example by making worshiping on Sunday a priority? Giving God that priority. He commands us to keep the Sabbath holy. Are you setting that example by making it a priority? Or do you just come when it's convenient for you? Or when you have nothing else to do? Or if it's a special occasion? But you see, God is not a God of sometimes. He is a God all the time. Some of, you, some of you have seen the movie War Room. And one of my favorite scenes is when the elderly lady asks the, the young lady, she says to her, uh, uh, Miss Claire, I think her name is, she asks her, so do, do you go to church regularly? And she says sometimes. And, and so the older lady says, is that because your pastor only preaches sometimes? <laughs> we need to make Sunday worship a priority. We need to make giving God our Sabbath the priority. Are you setting the example by being regular in Sunday worship? Are you setting the example by having a consistent prayer life? Prayer is our key of connecting with God. We read the word, but prayer is our communication. The word tells us about God, but prayer really shows us who he is. We need to have that consistent prayer life where we tap into his power. You see, we can have a light 
And it can be the brightest light possible, but if it's not plugged in to an electrical source, then the light is not doing what it was designed to do. In the same way, we can be that bright light, but if we are not connected to our Father in heaven, then we are not doing what we were designed to do, to have that relationship with God, to connect with him. Are you setting that example? Are you setting the example by waking up early enough and making Sunday school a priority? You see, Sunday school may be something that you did when you were a child and you think is not important anymore, but let me tell you, Sunday school is vital for the growth of the Christian life. It is not enough just to come to church once in a while and expect to be spiritually fed. We need to dive into God's word. We need to speak to each other. We need to communicate. We need to talk about it. We need to grow. And there are very few places today where you can do that. But Sunday school, small groups is one of them. Are you making that a priority? Parents, children need to go to Sunday school. Your grandchildren, your children, they need to go because what they are learning in school, they need to know that there is a God and what he teaches. They need to know that. They need to know that there are two genders. They need to know what the sanctity of marriage is. They need to know all of that things and guess what? The world is not teaching that to them. The world is teaching them something else. But we need to show them them what God says is the truth. And that is where they're going to get them. I want to challenge you to make Sunday school a priority, to make small groups a priority, to make it a priority not just for yourselves, but for your children so that they can get that solid foundation and that teaching. We want to give our children the very best. Amen? We want to do all that we can. And giving them the very best includes laying the most important foundation that they will ever get in life, and that is the Word of God. So make it a priority. We have wonderful Sunday school classes, not only for children, but we have for youth, for young adults, we have for adults, we have for all ages. And so make Sunday school a priority. On Wednesday evenings, we also have a wonderful caravan club program where children learn about the Bible and life skills. And, and so encourage you to go and to register them and to be part of that. And also on Wednesday nights, if you think, well, what am I going to do? We have a great Bible study upstairs that you parents can come and join us. And so there's something for everyone. But we need to set that example. Verse 13 tells us all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. This shows the family involvement. This shows that everyone was part of it. Are you setting the example? Are you setting the example also by being generous in your financial giving to the work of the Lord? Are you setting that example by teaching your children, by teaching others that it is important, that it's important for us to give and to be generous. You see, we are expected, okay? It's not just that a suggestion. We are expected by the Lord to give back a portion of what he has blessed us with. How many of you have been blessed? 
We have all been blessed in one way or the other. I've been blessed, you've been blessed, and God expects us to give back a portion of those blessings. Not what we want, but it's what God requires. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22, it says, make an offering of 10%, a tithe of all the produce which grows in your fields year after year. If we uh, put that into terms today, it's giving back at least 10% of all the Lord has blessed us with. Giving back, that is called a tithe. When we give Lord, the Lord at least 10%, what he's required of us, it's considered a tithe. When we give him more than 10%, that's now considered an offering. Are you being generous in your giving to the Lord? Are you teaching your young people and children to be responsible with money and to make giving to the Lord a priority? We need to teach them the value of money. We need to teach them that giving to the work of the Lord is a priority. On Sunday, October 1st, we've been mentioning that we will be asking you to make a pledge for one year, a monthly pledge of, for the period of one year. And our goal each month is to raise $21,000. And this amount is to help us to go to pay for our monthly mortgages that we have as a church, to pay for our financial commitment so that we can continue to carry out the work of the Lord, so that we can continue to reach out to you and to our community and to do great things for the Lord. Are you setting that example by giving? Well, I want to share with you our senior pastor, who is Pastor Nick Stavropoulos, for those of you who do not know. He is currently away on a sabbatical at this time, but he has set the example for us. And he has given me permission to share with you what his monthly pledge will be for the period of one year. He and his wife, Cindy, have pledged to give $1,100 monthly for the period of one year. He has set that pledge. He has set that example. Give him a round of applause. In your bulletin today, there is a white card like this that says, My Mortgage Fund Pledge. I want you to take that, to pray over it, to pray and ask the Lord, what can I give? I want to set an example. I want to do great things. I want to serve the Lord over and above my regular 10% giving. Lord, I want to, to give. And so pray and ask the Lord. Next Sunday morning and evening, we will be taking in these pledges. And I pray that you would consider, what can I give? It may not be much, but it's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice, that we are giving sacrificially. Whatever it is, I challenge you to give and see how the Lord will bless you, to give and to see how he will continue to provide for you. For some of you, you've never given and you've thought, well, maybe I can't give because I can't afford it. I challenge you to give and to see that the Lord will continue to bless you. For those of you that are listening this morning by radio. Maybe you don't have a regular congregation that you are part of, but you feel the Lord saying, you need to give. I challenge you to consider making a monthly pledge. Are you setting that example? You see, also what's important is teaching our children and our young people. And so maybe you need to encourage your young person to make a pledge as well, to start giving. If they're receiving an allowance, if they have a part-time job, guess what? They are able to give. You see, we have money for the things that we want, 
for the things that are important. It boggles my mind that when the newest iPhone comes out that's over $1,000, the lineup is longer than any line you've seen. People have money for what they want. It's about priority. What is your priority? Is your priority seeing lives changed and transformed and seeing the work of the Lord carried out? Because when we give to our priority, we see great things happen. And so I challenge you to set that example. So Jehoshaphat set that example and he asked the people to pray and to fast, to seek the Lord for his help and guidance. Are you seeking the Lord for his help and for his guidance? Or are you trying to solve all your problems on your own? You see, God wants us to run to him first, not to be the last resort when nothing else works, but to be the first phone call we make, to be the first one who we tell our problems to. He wants us to seek him. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11, it says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. You see, to do something continually doesn't mean once in a while. To do something continually doesn't mean once in a blue moon or when we need it, but to do something continually means to continuously do it, to be regularly doing it. Are you seeking the Lord continually? He wants us to seek him continually, all the time, every day, regularly. And in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 he tells us seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you you see when we seek the Lord and we entrust into his hands all of our needs and we trust him with those needs he will take care of everything else everything else he will work out our situations he will work out our finances he will work out our circumstances he will work out when we seek him first and give him the glory. Seek the Lord first for all of your needs. And then it goes on to tell us in verses 5 to 12, then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, the Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not a God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to your descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. And then verse 10 to 12 says... But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us for coming to drive us out of the possession you have given us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
You see, Jehoshaphat stood up, and in the assembly, he prayed this prayer right here, giving God thanks, exalting God, reminding the people of who he is, but also being real with God by saying, God, these are the same people that you commanded us not to drive out. When we were coming out of Egypt and taking all these parcels of land and attacking all these people, you told us not to attack them. You told us not to repay them for the evil that they've done but now here they are coming and wanting to drive us out you see this is the same thing of human nature today people may do wrong to us and we may turn the other cheek but then they come back and they forget our kindness they come back and they try to hurt us they come back and they try to do something but God says do not seek revenge you see, they have claimed and they have said, and in that prayer it says, in the inheritance, in the land that you have given us. You see, what God gives you, no one can take away. What is truly for you, people can try to knock you down. People can try to take it away. People can try to change your course. But what God truly has for you is for you. And no one can take it away. And so for them and for Jehoshaphat, Although these armies, although these people were coming against them, they were certain that we have no power on our own, but God, you've given us this land. We have no strength. We have no power, but we're looking to you. You see, in our battle, it's not ours. The battle that we fight is not ours, but God says, give it to me. He will fight our battles for us. Know that even when your enemies attack, God is still in control. Their enemy was coming for them. Their enemy was coming to attack the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Mennonites, or men of Mount Seir. At one point, they were on good terms, but all of a sudden, they decided, because they're doing really well over there, we need to go and attack and to take what they have. But God's plan and his protection was upon them. The people came and they gathered together praying and seeking the Lord. You see, God does not want us to take revenge, but he wants us to leave it in their hands, to leave it in his hands. When your enemies come and attack, when people do you wrong, when people turn their backs on you, don't seek revenge, but pray for them. Don't seek revenge, but be kind to them because know that God sees all and he will take care of it. Know that God is in control and the revenge that God will give them is nothing compared to what we can give them. And so we need to leave it in God's hands and allow him to take control. Amongst the people, I'm sure that there may have been some who thought, well, why are we praying and fasting here when there's an army coming to attack us? We should be gathering together. We should be having a plan in place. The men should be going out to fight. There were people who were scared and who were worried, but God commands us. He doesn't just tell us, but he commands us. In Joshua 1.9, he says, have I not commanded you? Have I not told 
told you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You see, when we are afraid, when we are frightened, we are not following God's command where he says, do not be afraid. We don't have to fear because we can trust God and know that he hears us and know that he's in control. We don't have to be afraid when we entrust our needs into God's hands and when we're trusting him because God will help us. God will help us regardless of what we believe or not. He will help us. Jehoshaphat admitted in verse 12b, he says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but you are in control, Lord. We don't know what we should do, what our next step is, but we're trusting you, oh God. You see, in Zechariah verse 4, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by might that you're going to win these battles. It's not by your own power that you're going to win these battles, but it's by God's spirit. You see, the battle is not ours but it's his. We need to seek him and to trust him for all that we go through in life, knowing that he will help us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, it says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is powerful. This, I want you to claim this. And let's say it together. If God is for us, who can be against us? Claim this because God's protection is upon you. When enemies attack, God is for me. Who can be against me? When things are going wrong in my life, God is for me. Who can be against me? Things may not always go your way, but know that if God is for you, who can be against you? One of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 27, 1 to 3, says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, is it my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. And why am I confident? because if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? I want to remind you today to seek the Lord for all your needs, to seek him first for all that you need and know that he will provide. And secondly, know that even when your enemies attack, God is still in control. You see, we have the victory. We have the victory when we praise the Lord and let him fight our battles. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for who you are. And God, we trust you with all that we are. We pray that you would help us to seek you first in everything that we do. That you would help us to, as believers, set an example for others. The, to be faithful, knowing that you will continue to be faithful and provide for our lives. And we pray that, God, you would help us in all of our ways to not seek revenge when our enemies attack us and, and when things are, seem to be going 
wrong in our life, but to trust you and know that even in the midst of everything, you are still in control. And so, God, we look to you. We commit ourselves once again into your hands, and we pray that you would be glorified and that you would have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As the word-